0: Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher-value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens for more information about Catalysis.
1: Welcome back to The Lens. I'm your host Peter Maria new care model development requires investment in planning for the future where care needs may look very different than they currently do to stay relevant this week we'll share an excerpt from a presentation by Anita Inger chief strategy officer at Legacy Health she's discussing her organizational and personal leadership experiences around leading and managing deep and lasting change including developing new care models Also, if you're interested in new care model development, Catalysis can help. We develop customized transformation roadmaps that engage all levels of the organization and help you progress your transformation journey. Learn more at createvalue.org slash transformation roadmap.
2: Anita, with that, I'll welcome you. And if you want to take a quick introduction of your team here, and then I'll begin to ask questions from there.
3: Um, I invited two of my colleagues, uh, Samuel Ashby, who is uh, a leader for performance uh, improvement and process innovation at, at Legacy Health. Uh, he's been someone that I've been working for for a few years, and I learned something from Samuel, I think, every day. Uh, and really, we're trying to put together this work on innovation strategy and just improvement together. So I thought uh, Samuel would have some um, um we could learn from Samuel as well as you ask some questions. I also invited Dr. Holly, say, uh, uh, who is a primary care provider at Legacy, um, is the medical director for our medical home uh, program, and uh, is also the physician lead for some of the innovation work that we are doing. So uh, she works with our design strategists and really is that clinical voice as we uh, develop ideas and uh, try to build and test them over time. So uh, thank you, Holly and Samuel, for helping me uh, with this Q and A and participating with me.
2: Yeah, so welcome and thank you again. So, the first question uh, from the group is: uh, What are some of the ways that you engage frontline in decision making and design? Uh,
3: Good question. So I think um, one way that we've done it is very early on in the process, uh, we brought in. Uh, some key stakeholders, right? And it was a range of individuals um, from the clinics, right? So a lot of the ideas that we were building and testing were in the ambulatory setting. So we had everyone from a patient service representative to an MA within a clinic, a social worker within the clinic, uh, a clinic manager, all of those folks. Uh, We asked leaders within the organization to identify folks who would be comfortable maybe thinking out of the box and thinking differently about some problems. Holly was really uh, key in helping us identify those folks, invite them and get them oriented to the work that we were doing. But I would say in addition to some of those frontline folks that we invited into the process, uh, we also brought in a lot of other ancillary folks, right? So uh, a leader in imaging and actually an imaging tech joined the work that we were doing. Uh, Same with lab services. Um, Brought in some of the folks uh, that are more on the administrative side, whether it's legal, finance, um, uh, information services, so that we really had a team that was doing the work. Um, And the goal, I would say, was not to knock down ideas saying it wouldn't work, but really start understanding the constraints under which we were developing some of these ideas. And uh, Nohali, what would you add to that? I mean, I think we were pretty intentional in terms of making sure there were those clinical voices that were coming into the process.
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great answer, and I would um, I would say that uh, that we called that group the extended team, and we had a number of fairly intense uh, sort of sessions, uh, two hour sessions, you know, twice a week, a couple of chunks of those earlier on in our design process. And uh, what we've realized, I think, over the course of setting up our clinical experiment too, is the importance of having a physician champion. So essentially, um, we've identified quite a few. Uh, physician uh, primary care providers basically in our target geographic area and we have really um, intensively reached out to them, done a lot of pitch meetings, um, a lot of emailing, um, presented at clinic meetings. And I think what we've realized is that without that PCP champion or key kind of clinical figure, the experiment really um, has a hard time going forward. So uh, that's, that's definitely a big focus of our energies is maintaining that communication and trying to get people excited about, um, about what we're doing with the innovation work.
2: Thank you. It, 14 months. I still can't remember unmute myself before I start talking. <laughs> um, question uh, from the audience was: How do you balance keeping the innovation team separate enough to ensure creativity, while connecting back to the operations team so they don't feel like the change is being done to them?
3: Yeah. No, I think that's a really good question, right? And 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 that is definitely not the intention of done to them. So I think we are really intentionally trying to engage the frontline and the clinical providers in the design and iterate process. So as we are moving into this build and test phase, really thinking through the providers that are engaged in the work, uh, how do we make them part of that iteration rather than here's a final solution that we've developed, now implemented, but really engaging them, not in that initial design, but really in that iteration process of something that we've developed. Um, and I think as we move towards how do you connect it back to operations, I think we're really looking for there like a partnership with Samuel and his team, right? I mean, I think Samuel and his team have done such a great job at Legacy, and we learn from them every day on how do you take a standard and you actually spread it across the organization, get adoption, get it moving. And I think some of this is not different from that, right? I mean, we're creating a new model, maybe a new standard for how do you serve some patients. And we'll really work with, I would say, Samuel and his team to say, how do we get that spread and adoption across the system and not make it this, uh, you must, or uh, um, you know, there will be consequences. But how do we use data and what we've learned to really create that energy and excitement on doing something? I'd say for most frontline providers, we're all wanting to do the right thing for our patients, right? If we know that there's something that's going to make a difference for our patients, I mean, if you think of Evie in that presentation, is going to help Evie take better care of herself and be healthy. I think there's enough energy to say we're gonna do the right thing as an organization and as providers, right? So it's really that communication um, on the data, the information, and, and that spread across the organization. I don't think we have all the answers yet, but I'm, I'm excited to work with uh, Samuel and also Holly and the provider team to see how we'll get this going at Legacy.
2: Thank you. Um, there's a comment, uh, they love the framing of the hidden rejection as one of the expected <laughs> stages. Can you say more about the human organizational dynamics in forming that framing and more on the needed countermeasures to transform beyond that stage? How do you get past that stage?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I, that really, when I read about it, it really resonated to me because, um, Truly, if you talk to the innovation team, there's just, uh, even when we have one of our governance meetings, right? There's this hum in the air of excitement, is what I would say, on these concepts and ideas. And we feel like we're making so much progress, but we're making progress in this incubator, uh, in a clinic with one provider who's excited to do this work. And most of the rest of the organization um, and candidly even the medical group is saying, uh, don't do this to me, I don't have time to do this, why should I do this? Give me a reason. Um, and honestly, they just want to see some data and information to say this is worth their time to engage in, right? It's not that people are being resistant, but they're just busy, they're busy taking care of patients and saving lives every day. Um, and they want to make sure that this is a good use of their time. Um, and I think the only way we get there uh, to broader adoption is through these uh, quick wins, right? So how can we get several quick wins across the organization, but someone who's willing to take a risk with us uh, and try something new and say that, hey, this actually had um, an impact and made a patient or a customer's life better, made my life better as a provider as well, because we don't wanna do something that totally ruins the flow that a provider has. We're trying to balance both of that within the organization. Um, I think the more stories that we can tell Um, of those successes, of those quick wins, I I truly believe that's what's going to help us um, um, get that broader sort of engagement across the organization. Um, So the cycle time that we have, I think it's taken almost a year right now on this first process because we're learning. I mean, we're building competency as an organization. The quicker we can get with our cycle time of innovation so that we're innovating, spreading, telling the story, I think that's going to help us. Um, And I think we'll get that acceleration, I think, over time um, is is sort of my thinking there. Holly, would you add something in terms of, you know, how we take this forward?
0: Yeah, I was going to just add that I think um, everything you said, you know, uh, is is right on. And in addition, I think that we've tried to be smart about um, or strategic about human nature so uh for example you know recognizing that as we get these experiments up and running it requires a fair amount of pcp time and even you know ma and staff time in some cases too we're having meetings with clinic managers we did secure um thanks to anita's efforts um meeting pay for the doctors and that's a simple thing i apologize if that's coming from my side that's a simple thing that um that goes a long way towards creating goodwill. So, not asking folks to just donate an extra half an hour to review a patient list or an extra 45 minutes to do something that's outside of their workflow, but acknowledging that and saying, we're going to compensate you for it. We also, you know, as we reached out to, um, physicians, one of our physician a PCP champions for one of the experiments just has a, a lot of interest in tech. And so we kind of paired him up with the techie experiment about wearable data. And you know, he's excited, he's, he's kind of jazzed about it, and he happens to be in a leadership position, so he is in a position to kind of evangelize to others a little bit about it. So some sort of key strategic, uh, fairly small decisions that may end up having larger effects.
3: Yeah. Samuel, I know you think a lot about culture and adoption. I don't know what you would add. Uh, And you've been at Legacy for a few years now trying to get, you know, that culture and adoption going. I I, uh, obviously look to you for advice on some of these things as well.
4: Yeah, I I think. Thank you, Anita. I think, um, you know, We've learned a lot from the Shingo model around how having the right guiding principles and how we translate those as leaders into behaviors for the organization set and and make such a large contribution to culture. And so, especially as we think through um, our our desire to be the safest place to, to both deliver and receive care and that we, um, safety is our highest priority. As you start to frame those things up and think through what it means for the patient, that starts to energize the workforce and then the leaders are following up with the right behaviors that are matched up to the guiding principles.
2: Great, thank you. We have time for one more question. I think this is a good one because um, we hear this a lot. Is what are your thoughts on the debate whether innovation happens better in an incubator bubble separated from the daily worker in the Gemba with the process user. So how do you really differentiate between um, this work and the daily improvement work?
3: Samuel, I'm gonna to look to you to participate in this one as well. I'll share sort of my thinking, right? I think the reason we went with this sort of incubator model and I, I it's not that the team is not going on Gemba, right? They're just going on a different Gemba right now is what I would say. They're going, to almost the patient's homes, they're going to the community, they are going to the places where patients actually live most of their life, rather than in an encounter, right? So they are going on gamba, but a different kind of Gemba is what I would say uh, on how patients live their life. And I'm probably totally ruining the definition of gamba, so I apologize for that. Uh, but... Uh, we needed this incubator model just so that we could protect some of the thinking of this team. So we were trying to, a part of innovation is not just thinking about those options that would work in our current paradigm, but thinking about the extreme options, right? The ones that might never work, but can actually form the foundation of developing something that could work once you put constraints on it. And it felt like we could not do that without this incubator model of separation so that people could immerse themselves and almost separate themselves from some of those uh, constraints that might exist, like can epic do that or, you know, how does that fit into um, an MA's flow of really being able to take yourself out of that and, and think about those extreme what ifs, we could do this before we added that constraint. So I think as we get to that build-in test phase, I think you start seeing, you um, um, almost that uh, lean PDSA thinking show up, right? Once you get to that phase, it feels more like that PDSA thinking of we are doing something, we're testing, we are iterating, studying and adjusting in that phase. Uh, but especially for those first few phases, I think we we felt the need to actually separate from the daily work that they were doing. And um, Samuel, uh, you always have something more elegant to say than I do. So, uh, uh, go for
4: it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think we we made the right decision. Catherine Anita made the right decision to incubate um, our innovation team. We didn't we we didn't have that as a capability, an organizational capability. Um, and I think if we had that as an organizational capability, it might not have been as um, needed to separate and incubate the the innovation piece, but it's kind of like a bubble that we're just trying to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, but at the same time be resistant and separated from some of the challenges that we see in normal normal day-to-day operations. But we've always seen um, innovation and, and process improvement coming back together, right? Um, it's, We identify a capability and an experience for patients. Ultimately, we have to translate that into what we do for a daily practice. And so we all see the need. And I think the the decision that we made was the right one for our culture.
2: Well, I want to thank the three of you. Thank you, Dr. Say, Samuel, and Anita. I really want to thank you for sharing today and your willingness to be open about how things are going and, and maybe not going.
1: Thank you for tuning into The Lens. If you're looking for ways to develop your team, check out Catalysis Academy at createvalue.org slash academy to learn more about our organizational subscription options. Stay tuned for more episodes designed to help healthcare leaders support their organizations on a journey to organizational excellence.
0: Thank you for listening. Visit createvalue.org slash the lens to learn more about how catalysis can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization.